This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Boon. People are living longer than ever thanks to modern medicine and advances in technology, but this has brought about a new dilemma. Children born of older parents are often faced with an unexpected cost down the road, becoming a young caregiver. Taking care of your parents is not an easy role, and even if you're not the one directly providing the care, it can sometimes also lead to emotional and financial stress. Some of the financial consequences of supporting aging parents in include having to take days off work, paying extra expenses like medicine, transportation, and hospital costs. In fact, most recently, the EPF has expressed concerns over the retirement security of Malaysians as the pandemic has led to a significant drop in the percentage of members meeting the basic savings threshold, with 46% of EPF members below the age of 55 having less than 10,000 ringgit in their account. So in conjunction with the International Day of Older Persons that's happening tomorrow, I'm going to be speaking to two experts experts and regular voices of the show, Rajan Devadasan, CEO of RD Wealth Creation and a licensed financial planner with Manual Life Investment Management Malaysia Berhad, and Lynette Lee, the CEO of the Financial Planning Association of Malaysia or better known as FPAM. They'll be helping me tackle this sometimes sensitive topic, I guess. Uh, thank you and welcome to the show. Okay, so Lynette, let's start this conversation uh, with you, uh, which is how do we even begin to start a conversation with our parents or even for the parents with the children about this financial planning aspects for caring for your elderly? Okay. Um, when you talk to parents, it's different. Um, parents are people who have had um, more experience. And if they are also uh, someone who is financially savvy in during their time, um, it could be a very delicate situation. So uh, the best way to talk to them is more on a consultative angle whereby you ask them what they think about it. But also bearing in mind that um, when a person retires, uh, there are a few stages that they go through. Very commonly, people think about active aging, especially those who are planning for their retirement. And what happened is that's the fun part, the first part of the first stage of your life because you are enjoying yourself. You work if you need to, if only if you want to. But basically, if you have planned it well, you're enjoying your life traveling. Um, however, when you get to the next stage, whereby um, your aches and pains are starting to come in, maybe some diseases is still manageable, uh, but you need a little bit of help. That's also all right. It's fine. Uh, but that's when um, money comes in. And that's when um, children need to then have discussion with the parents, but sometimes parents may not be comfortable talking to their children because when you were young, I looked after you financially. Um, now, uh, I still can handle. So this is the, the thought we have. So um, at this point in time, like I said, it's best to go on a consultative. What do you think of this? The other thing that the children need to also um, highlight to their parents is about scams because um, as they get on in their stages of their retirement uh, and, and get along, uh, the most important thing is senior vulnerability, both internal within the family uh, and as well as external, meaning that uh, friends who have good intention, but they also get scammed and parents may get scammed, your parent may get scammed also. And then also need to start discussing about when mental incapacity steps in because you wait until it happens, it's too late already. 
And that's when you have to start talking to your parents what needs to be done. Um, that topic is a huge topic on its own. I think we can discuss that in another situation. But basically, this is what you need to look at. So Rajan, what are your inputs? What are your approaches to this? I think every family, every individual is different. Unfortunately, what very hap- what happens very often is that uh, financial constraints can come into effect both at parental level and also at the level of the adult children. And um, based on the original questions that you had sent us, I jotted down some notes. I think basically that there are two signposts of trouble if you are a child, an adult child, looking at what's happening with your parents. uh, Number one, are you beginning to notice that they are not spending adequate amounts of money on their own food, on their own medication? And the second question is, um, very different situation. Are they constantly asking you and your siblings for more and more and more money with irritating regularity? So these are parents both facing financial constraints, but at opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, Those who are actually um, slashing their own budgets, refusing to spend money on themselves. Uh, Either they're doing that because they want to make sure that when they pass on, from a legacy perspective, they have something to give to their children or grandchildren, which is very noble. But, you know, if you've raised your kids right and they can stand on their own feet, what they really want is to have you around for as long as possible. Um, very, very few things in life revolve around money primarily. That is the truth of the matter. The older people get, uh, the more likely they are to actually get fixated with one idea. And that is, if I'm going to be a good father, a good grandfather, a good mother, a good grandmother, I must leave behind. Therefore, I must be very, very careful. Filial piety in Malaysia is is very, very robust. We're very, very fortunate. Our family structure is very, very good. But we are now facing multiple layers of um, sandwich generations. A single sandwich generation is when you as an adult child understand that it is your responsibility to pay and take care of your parents, but then you also have children who are growing up and they might already be at university or they're in school and you're desperately trying to set aside enough money, grow enough money to be able to give them a footprint um, later on in life so that they have the world as their oyster. And I call it the sandwich generation because the financial constraints at the top and the financial constraints at the bottom can squeeze you and make you feel like you're suffocating. Yeah, um, the word retirement is definitely something that comes into this mix. When it comes to a point where the parents need financial help from their children or from outside sources, is it because their retirement planning wasn't as robust as they'd hoped for, as it should be? What were the considerations that might have kind of like derailed this retirement conversation because I think for a lot of people and not just your parents but even you you yourself now right when you're planning making your own financial plans you sometimes have this back of the mind thought that like you know uh, this is my retirement plan and it's going to be able to fund me until the end of my days but it's not always the case so where does the retirement conversation fit into this a uh, larger conversation about a sandwich generation and taking care of your parents. Uh, Rajan, maybe you can give your input first and then we'll move to Lynette. 
Um, you know how it's been a long time since most of us have flown anywhere, about a year and a half at the time of this interview. But in the dim and distant past, I still remember before a plane takes off, the standard um, announcements uh, from the, the steward or stewardess would basically say, uh, in the event of a drop in oxygen levels, the mask will fall. Please put on the mask for yourself first before taking care of people that you care about. And so when I think about the BFM demographic, we are currently probably being listened to by people who are in the sandwich generation. And so the first thing I would say is before you worry about your kids' tertiary education too much and before you start worrying about fully funding your parents' retirement, do everything that you possibly can to actually make sure that your own retirement is well and truly taken care of. In other words, you got to make sure that you're exercising fiscal responsibility. You need to have a budget. You really, really, really need to have a written budget. You need to do everything that you possibly can, particularly as we begin, as we continue to navigate through these very, very difficult times. Um, in quite a lot of my writing over the last one and a half years, I've actually referred to the GVC, the great virus crisis. So it's conceivable. I don't know whether this term came from someone in the World Bank or the IMF, um, but this was actually, um, this phrase was actually used and I think it's, it's catching on right now. So many years from now, when we begin to look back upon this period, uh, just as uh, people refer to the uh, late 2007 to 2009 period as the GBC, the global financial crisis, as people, uh, those of us who are old enough, same you're not, but those of us who are old enough to remember the Asian financial crisis of 1997-1998, these are like once in a decade markers. And I am absolutely certain that we're going to get through this particular crisis. And when we do, and as the global economy begins to pick up, I guarantee you most of us are going to be grumbling all our way, all the way through to the next crisis that we face. And all this grumbling is actually going to result in many people actually losing out on the market wealth building opportunities from recovering markets. The reason I'm telling you this is because as an individual, let's say you are the middle le level of the sandwich generation, have a written budget, work very, very hard. One of the key lessons I think from uh, this particular crisis is that almost all of us will have to throw out the idea of, you know, I work 40 hours a week, I've done my part. This is unmitigated nonsense. <laughs> the GVC, COVID-19, has impoverished almost every single individual on the planet. Of course, you have small pockets where people are much richer than they used to be, but most of us are much, much poorer. And as a result of that, we've got to ask ourselves, are we just going to you know, lie down and take it and accept the fact that, you know, three years from now, I'm going to be poorer than I would have been if we didn't go through the crisis? Or are we actually going to grab the steering wheel of our lives and say, no, I don't care what the world throws at me. I am going to do everything that I possibly can. And if that's the case, I think um, we're already now into late September 2021. Um, 2022 harkens very, very close. It's just right there. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to ask ourselves, am I willing? 
Am I willing to work 50 hours a week? Am I willing to work 60 hours a week? Am I willing to work 70 hours a week? 50 to 70, I think, is going to be the norm for motivated individuals who are saying, okay, I will not let this crisis impoverish me. So the reason I'm saying this is, take care of yourself first, and then do the very best that you can. Uh, one of the best things about living in Asia, having an Asian culture, is filial piety. We do a much, much better job than most people in the West in terms of taking personal, familial responsibility for our parents. But you've got to be super careful because if you give too much to your parents, your own retirement is going to get messed up and then you are going to end up becoming far more of a burden to your kids than you want to be. And remember, even if you don't go extreme, you still need to fund your kids' education. Right, so take care of yourself first before planning for others. We're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere, BFM 89.9. Welcome back, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, and I'm Sim Wee Boon. With me today is Rajan Devadasan, the CEO of RD Wealth Creation and a licensed financial planner with Manual Life Investment Management, Malaysia Berhad. And also Lynette Lee, CEO of the Financial Planning Association of Malaysia. We've been talking about financial planning for the care of your elderly. And before the break, Rajan was talking about how you should take care of yourself first before considering others. Now, Lynette, over to you. What's your take? I'm going to touch on the financial aspect and I'm going to move back to the um, real case scenario. Um, one of the things that I observe is that a lot of people think about the active aging stage they forgot to think about the financial aspect towards the end of life or when you need aided living means you need a caregiver full time to look after you and after that palliative care until end of life. This is a topic which a lot of people shy away, which sadly is very important, uh, including estate planning. When we run webinars with BFM on estate planning, very few people turn up when it's about investment. Oh my God, there's so many of them. Uh, but they don't realize that for you to be able to maintain that investment as, as well as your money, you need to have support foundation. So the, the, the protection, be takaful insurance, as well as the estate planning, whether it's a will or even, um, you know, uh, a power attorney, those things are very important. So bringing it home a little bit closer to life, I'm a sandwich generation. And um, when, I was, when I was younger and planning for my daughter's uh, uh, education, my father is working, so it was all right. But what happened was I was a single parent, so I had financial limitations. I never believed that you should sell your house, sell your soul for a child's education. It is more prudent for you to put everything into wallets and then give them the best that the wallet has, can give them. So what I earn goes into three wallets, my current spending, my child's education, and my retirement. And of course, one more wallet is my emergency saving. And that holds me very well. So when my child is ready to go to school, I use that one, that wallet, and say, this is the best I can give you. She did not need not know about my other wallets because, um, uh, you know, it's as a parent, you must know what information to share and what not to share at that point in time. Then after that, um, when my daughter started working, that's one financial uh, what-off. But remember something, even though my parents are working, I still pay allowance to my parents. I have never stopped since the day I started working. That is what Rajan meant by filial piety. So 
what happened was one thing we never, as I said, we never expect. And this is a lesson I learned looking after my parents is the unexpected is going to happen. And my father, my parents come from the era where they didn't think insurance was important. So my emergency savings came in. My parents got savings. Um, people around, if you talk about 70, 80, or even uh, 60s for that matter, they, they come from era of savings, to be very honest. They have some money. It's just whether their plan is well-formed or not. What happened was insurance was something my, my folks did not believe in at that time. So never did we ever believe my mom would need dialysis and she would be a Parkinson patient. So towards the end, she needed a full-time caregiver. So if you ask me a rule of thumb, maybe you should look at budgeting for five years of your parents' life uh, to pay for this. And how much would you budget? Well, if you talk about a caregiver, you talk about um, maybe you know needing dialysis or some special treatment, cancer would be even more. Then you, you will look at the range and I'm gonna talk about uh, economy range, mid-range and luxurious range, okay? Economy range, you'll be looking about three to 5K. The medium range will be between seven to 8,000. You want the luxurious, it could be 10,000 and above where, you know, you stay in five-star nursing home or retirement home. And the other thing that you need to also think about is, do you send your parent to a home or do you keep them at home? Now, we all know that most uh, senior citizens, if they can, they would rather stay at home and if possible, die at home. So the best thing a, a child could give would be to do that. However, do not hit yourself and think that you are not showing fidelity. If you're the only child in town and you have to work to fund your parents' uh, 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 you know, caregiving, uh, and if you need to send them, please do so find a good nursing home within your budget and send them because as uh, Rajan rightly said, you need to take care of yourself because if you if you are going to uh, suffer for it, you're not going to be able to help anyone else for that matter. In, in this conversation about the homes part, sometimes there are financial costs to that. There are financial costs to even have your parents live with you and maybe, you know, what would those costs be? What would those considerations that you have to make if you do want your parents to live with you? Renovating the house so that it becomes senior friendly. Um, and this one takes a little bit of planning. Um, I have started planning for it for my own retirement. I make sure that whatever wherever I'm staying is a single story so that I don't have to climb stairs, and it's also wheelchair friendly. Um, my parents' place was a double story house, so we had to slightly renovate it so that my my folks could stay downstairs so that I can wheelchair my, my mom around the house without having to climb the staircase. So these are things that um, you need to think about. Uh, we have people in Malaysia who's very good at it. I think um, managed care is one of them. They will tell you anything that you need to know about retirement, aging, and uh, caregiver. We also have people like hospice who will come and help, especially towards the end of life. Their services are free, um, but there are different hospices. Uh, there's one hospice Malaysia, and there's hospice case, uh, depending on what stage uh, of uh, end of life your parent is in and what kind of disease that they're facing. So these this are available um, and they will loan you things like beds. They will loan you commode chairs, you know, so that you don't have to buy and, and, and buy because when the person is not around anymore, you, you have no need for it already. 
So these are things that you need to think about and put in the plan. But yes, renovating the property and whether you want to stay with your folks or you want to stay nearby, uh, these are things that you need to put in as part of your financial planning or retirement planning because it's not just about money, it's beyond numbers. So now let's move our next part of the conversation to something that you brought up, which is the protection aspect, which is insurance, right? So Rajan, where does insurance fit into this conversation? For almost all of us, there are four types of insurance that we need to consider. We don't need to have every single form, but there are four types that are fairly basic. The first would be life insurance, which is really death insurance. But it's a lot easier to market this product, very important product, as life insurance rather than death insurance. In my opinion, far more important than that would actually be CI and HNS. So critical illness cover, very, very important. And then HNS, hospital surgical. Most of us basically have a plastic rectangle. It's our medical card, and it can be a real lifesaver. And then the last uh, form of the four that I'm talking about would be PA, personal accident. So coming back to the general principle that you should take care of yourself first, if you are a middle sandwicher, as it were, um, look to see whether or not it makes sense for you to have all four. Then you got to start asking yourself, okay, move down and move up. When it comes to children, one of the things that I, I conversations that I have time and time again with um, young parents of very, very young children, before they come to me as a financial planner, is that they'll come and they'll tell me that they bought insurance for their kids. And normally when I hear this, I cringe. Then I ask a basic question, whose life is insured? Now, as long as it's the parent's life, it's perfectly okay. But if I remember correctly, old style policies actually had the life of the child, which makes no sense because the child is an economic liability, not an economic asset. Uh, when it comes to taking care of your kids, uh, you certainly want to make sure that you have the medical side taken care of. But life insurance, you should focus on yourself. Then when you move up to the older parents, um, your parents who are older than you, clearly the medical side is very, very important. Um, so CI and HNS. And I think it's easier to have that conversation if you're talking to your parents before they get so old that no insurance company wants to insure them. So for a lot of people listening right now, you know, the, the boat has sailed. There's nothing you can do about it. But if your parents are still young enough, if your parents are, you know, in their, it's fantastic if they're in their late 40s, but that's very young. So if they're in their 50s, maybe early 60s, there should be stuff that you can still do. Um, a complete financial plan has three key elements, three dimensions interlocking. Wealth protection, wealth accumulation, and wealth distribution. For those who are incapable of getting life insurance for one reason or another, they're too old or they're too infirm or they have a pre-existing condition, then the most important um, guiding phrase should be getting to the point of being self-insured. And to be self-insured, that means if the wealth protection using insurance is insufficient, then you need to fall back upon wealth accumulation and have that particular dimension enlarge itself because it also needs to protect the, 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 the future expenses. Now, with regard to uh, parents, aging parents, I want to just make this very important point. I believe filial piety is very, very important. 
I often work with parents who are very, very wealthy. They have taken good care of their kids. But when I tell these parents, you should insist that your working children give you money, very often they shake their head and they say no. Usually these are Chinese clients. <laughs> and I say, look, this is not for you. This is for your child's character development. Lynette, uh, any last words from you? Okay, well, uh, my my late mom, she's a homemaker, but she's some. She has uh, uh, she's quite money savvy. She kept uh, money that I gave her for her uh, allowance, and she put she put in a joint account with me. And when she got worse in her medical condition, just before her mental capacity has gone, uh, she told me. She said, um, "In case there's not enough money and." Uh, in case my dad has difficulty taking money out to pay for her medical condition, uh, she says, can you please take this money and use it for my, my uh, hospitalization or whatever medical, uh, uh, medical payments that need to be done? So I was actually amazed that she did think of that as well. So I said, sure. So that's why she, she opened that joint account. Uh, uh, and yes, uh, there were some times when I need to buy things uh, for her because of her condition, like medical equipments and all that. I actually took the money from that to pay for her. So she, she's, she has in a way self-insured herself. Um, I think that's what Rajan was trying to say when she says, take care of yourself and do some self-insurance. Uh, we're just about done with our conversation. So before we end it, I think Rajan, what are the key takeaway that you want the listeners to have when it comes to financially planning to, for the elderly, for your elderly, for your parents? Two things, actually, if it's okay. I believe it's very, very important for adult children to exercise filial piety. And I actually bring this up when I'm talking to clients, younger clients. Do you give money to your parents? So when you're looking at your personal budget and you're figuring out, okay, I think it makes sense for me to start showing. My parents know that I love them, but now let me start showing this to them in a tangible fashion. But there should be a line item where it's basically monthly allowance or monthly gift to mother, monthly allowance, monthly gift to father. But what you got to remember is that when you're giving to your parents and grandparents, they may resist, but once they start accepting, they will start expecting. And so from a budget perspective, you must make sure that you start low and slow. And as your own business income, as your own salary rises, only then very gradually increase. Because once your parents start relying upon your income stream as a form of their retirement income, it doesn't matter whether you lose your job or whether business revenue drops or whatever else, you better find a way to be able to keep giving the money, which is why the reserves need to be in place and why I think it's very important that almost all of us throw out the stupid idea of we're in a pandemic, I can still get by with 40 hours a week. I really think that to base level for base level survival we need to be working 50 to 70 hours and the really motivated among us should be looking at 70 to 90. the other thing is um, the the sad truth is that the vast majority of people never plan for their finances so the very people who are listening to ringgit and cents now are already in a minority and because of that their commitment to planning should result in a better life for themselves and for their families because of that, they should actually start exercising or continuing to exercise delayed gratification, 
which is not permanently denied gratification. It is deferred gratification. So you make some sacrifices now so that you have more to save, you have more to invest. And then you enlarge the pie over time and ever so gradually because of your economic uplift, your parents live better, your children live better, and you feel like you are, have actually been a massively contributing human being. Lynette, uh, any last words from you? Yeah, I have two things as well. <laughs> the first thing I wanted to share with uh, the listeners out there, especially those uh, who have taken their EPF uh, under the ICNA and IHTRA or something like that, uh, the second tranche. Um, if you are doing that to put food on the table, uh, please don't feel guilty. It's all right. Uh, you just need to uh, revise your uh, retirement plan. Uh, if you know how to do it well and good, uh, if you don't know, please talk to a licensed financial planner to help you to reset your, your plan and see how um, options that you may have is either to delay your, your retirement or uh, reduce your retirement requirement or maybe even both or make sure you're healthy and find employment during your retirement. The options are yours to choose from. All right. So this is the aspect. Don't panic, but please uh, don't take out the money to go and um, spend on unnecessary things. Second point I like to say is October is a very busy month. Um, it is all the whole of October is also Malaysia Financial Literacy Month, which is uh, built up by Financial Education Network, co-chaired by Securities Commission and Bank Negara. They have a series of things going on. Uh, there are free consultations uh, for the public who, uh, if they need help, please come. There's complimentary one-hour um, consultation. Just go to Invest Smart Fest and register yourself. Um, and then it is also World Financial Planning Day, which is happening on the first Wednesday of uh, October. This is cel celebrated globally. And last but not least, it's also uh, towards the end of the month is Global Money Week. So October is a money month. <laughs> so please, um, i like to uh, share with all listeners, uh, if you need help and you want to talk some more after listening to this, or you know someone who's not an audience of BFM, but definitely need financial um, tips, someone to talk about financials, uh, please go to Invest Smart Fest, Go to Smart Finance. Uh, those are the websites where you can, number one, InvestSmart is to talk to a licensed financial planner, a one-hour complimentary session. Uh, for Smart Finance, you can go and look up for licensed financial planners who are fully certified. You can chat with them. It's a one-to-one -one chat. It's personal. You just need to register. The, the website is free. And then, um, I, if I remember correctly, later on, um, in the month of October, uh, PPA is going to launch a, a OCA, Online Retirement Assistance also. So uh, that one, look out for it. They haven't opened up yet. You can also chat about your retirement. These are also filled up by licensed financial planners as well as uh, PRS consultants. That's all from me. Thank you, Sim. And we'll put the links in the description for the podcast. But 
Thank you very much, Rajan. And thank you very much, Lynette, for talking to me about this uh, topic. So that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I have been speaking to Rajan Devadasan, the CEO of RD Wealth Creation, a licensed financial planner with Manulife Investment Management Malaysia Berhad, and Lynette Lee, the CEO of the Financial Planning Association of Malaysia, or better known as FPAM. Join us again next, next week for more discussions on personal finance. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to send them to ringgit at bfm.my or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. I'm Sim Weeboon signing off for the morning run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.